Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All the frustration and disappointment of the past is gone. The 45-year drought is over. The Los Angeles Kings are indeed the kings of the National Hockey League. They are the 2012 Stanley Cup champions. Cleared away by the Kings, picked up by Martinez. Martinez to Clifford. Feeds it right side to Foley with a shot. Save, rebound, score! Alec Martinez has won the Stanley Cup for the Los Angeles Kings. And royalty reigns again in the NHL. to another episode of Hockey Royalty, Making It Rain Edition, as always, with my co-host, Joe Paterino. How you doing, my man? Doing awesome. How you doing, Rando? Fantastic. Fantastic. I've been uh, re-watching the uh, Star Wars movies uh, in order, so okay. just kind of just doing that while I've been, you know, prepping for pods or, you know, heading to bed, so, you know, just one movie a night and, you know, just When you say in order, are you going, are you going back to, like the 80s yeah chronological order like uh, of the of the not when they came out in theater but of the events in the timeline yeah gotcha gotcha so so like one two three and then i believe solo then rogue one four five six seven eight nine okay yeah so just doing that and uh you know having fun with that you know rewatching over are you a big star wars fan you know it's funny growing up i loved those ones in the 80s loved them mm-hmm. um and then once the newer i say this now what are they 20 years old uh they started to come out i was in high school and i never got into them again i never watched any of the recent ones yeah is it will. and is it just just because it just you said you're not a big movie person or a show person it's just different times in I'm, your life you think y- yeah i think i I think I, I would consider myself, and I think some people might consider myself a little lazy. So it's hard for me to, to like get in and get up and actually go and like 
watch something or get into a new movie or get into a new show. I know it's a struggle with my wife. She always wants to sit down and get into a new show. And it's like, it's so hard for me to get into something. So I think that's probably part of it, but um, I don't know. I, I maybe one day I'll end up going back and watch it. Cause like I said, I love the ones in the eighties that just for whatever reason didn't have the interest in going. And even I heard good things about them, you know, yeah. um, just never had the interest, I guess. Was there any sort of sci-fi or like, you know, comic book thing that you were really into? No, I mean, I guess that's maybe part of it too, is that was never really my genre. I mean, again, as a kid, I liked X-Men and Wolverine, but those were also ones that I never got into as I got a little bit older. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I think that's maybe part of it. Like I said, it's not really my, it's not something I get, I kept watching as I got older, I suppose. Yeah, I can understand that. I mean, obviously, so many years separated, you know, it's not really, they're not really conjoined, you know, and if you're not a huge fan yeah. of the genre to begin with, I can understand that. Uh, any favorite character from the, the series when you were watching it when you were younger? Ooh, I, I mean, I loved, I loved Chewbacca. Yeah. He was awesome. Uh, he has a way with words. He, <laughs> R2, R2, R2D. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I really, I love the R2-D2 and C-3PO combo. Those guys, I mean, the, the, yeah. all of them were, it's hard to pick a favorite. I mean, Yoda was obviously awesome. So it was, like I said, I now I kind of want to go back and watch some of, at least rewatch the ones in the 80s, the one that I already know and that I knew that I liked just to see them now years later. But um, yeah, they were solid. Well, I, I agree with you there, and it's, it's nice going back down those trains. But let's 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 get into the rain here. They've been solid all season. Uh, you know, 10-1 and 1, uh, 21 points, first place in the division. Uh, their battle of this weekend, though, is with the second-place team, the Stockton Heat. So battle for first place in the Pacific. So it should be definitely interesting. Before we get into the team, though, let's, let's talk about some of the transactions, some pretty big ones, matter of fact. Uh, Arvidsson and Velarde off COVID protocol. Arvidsson played the other night for the Kings. Uh, on the first line back where he was originally. But Velarde was sent down to the rain. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Do you think that uh, do you think that this is deserved by his play, or do you think this is to get him back into a, a, a mode of confidence? I think it's probably a little bit of both. I'm sure the coaching staff is going to sell it as – or the management it will sell it as the second. But I, I tend to think that, you know, there's a lot of – there's a lot of players right now in Los Angeles. We've talked about this at length. Uh, dating back months now into the summer that there's a log jam in Los Angeles and how are they going to sort out all these roster spots? You know, it's why you see Jared Anderson Dolan start the season in Ontario. So I think part of it is, you know, it's, it's the easiest thing would be to send him down. He didn't need waivers, but you know, he hasn't quite performed. Um, I think we on this show, expressed some concerns at least maybe i did about his ability as a center in the nhl and you know they went and got to know he obviously wasn't ready for 2c last year uh mm -hmm. was Villardi. byfield was going to make the team uh probably as the fourth center but i think the expectation would have been that he would have been the third center probably by season's end i mean and i think i'd like to see Villardi move to the wing uh i, I think he's still an extremely talented player and offensive uh, minded player with, with great hands, good shot, all, all that type of stuff. And I think that he can still be really effective. Um, I think he struggled a bit 
in the defensive side of the game. Uh, and I, and I would like to see him on the, on the wing and maybe take some of that stuff away from him and see how he responds. So we'll see how Ontario shuffles things around here. They've obviously got, they've got a lot of guys as well, frankly, uh, yeah. to, to get, to get time. So um, I not shocked at the decision. Um, I hope the player takes it well, as well as you can. And I hope um, he hits the ground running and puts pucks in the net. Cause you know what, that's his quickest way back to the Kings. Yeah, let's uh, let's go with some questions here with with what maybe I ask you on this and and uh, do you think this you know last year Zagers for the Ducks was up came back down to learn how to play center you know because he started off as a wing and, and did it to where there was more responsibility can it go the other way around can a player get too much in his head think too much at the center position based on all the responsibilities that there versus wing and maybe they're sending him back down not only to get confidence but just maybe enjoy hockey, playing hockey again, loving the game, you know, having fun and having less responsibility on the wing. Well, I mean, is that a possibility you think? Is, I mean, is it kind of reverse what the Ducks yes. did with Zagros? Yeah, I do think it's a possibility. Um, and I also think it's, and I don't know, I, I don't know Gabe Velarde on any personal level at all. So I'm not, I, I hesitate to speculate as to the type of person he is and how he takes things like this. You know, he's been a center, he was drafted to center you know, one of the top centers, he was untouchable in the organization. So all of a sudden now, or a few years later, he's had some injury bug issues, not playing great. He hasn't played great. You know, he showed spurts, you know, so I just don't know where he's at mentally, you know, from a confidence standpoint, from a. Also admitted to mental, uh, mental health issues last year with COVID. So, I mean, not that those are, are related with COVID and play, but you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe that could be absolutely similar and no, no, no question. And I think, you know, so there's, I would imagine there's an element of frustration there. You know, they go and they've got, they, they draft Byfield. They, they acquired to know he's not, you know, obviously he's, these are players in his position, you know, and he comes out and has a huge preseason, right? They, that line was extremely productive. Um, you know, we did talk about how they were productive on the offensive side of, things but they were not so in terms of possession numbers so it was a little bit of cause for maybe concern and it kind of leaked over into the start of the season with him so all that said yes I think sending him down um from to really to just to to try to get more comfortable take a step back take some pressure off just go back to playing hockey that doesn't work with everybody everybody's different and everybody handles things different but I do think that can be the goal and that can be the hope is go down and and then that's if they're going to decide to play him in the wing I guess we'll find out but go down get some confidence back and just get get comfortable with playing hockey I mean another player that's been sent down is Cole Caulfield I mean everybody he was a popular pick to be rookie of the year this year and he was sent down pretty quickly so you know I I I know the scenarios aren't exactly the same but um I listen, I don't think it's, it's the worst thing in the world for him. I think given the bodies in Los Angeles, it's not necessarily necessary for him to be in Los Angeles if he's not playing at his peak and he's coming off, you know, a situation where he's had to be out with COVID. So, or at least on the, on the, you know, the restricted list there. So go down and, and yeah, get some, get your legs back and hopefully put a couple pucks in the net, get some confidence back and get back to the Kings because I still think he's a, he's a really productive player. I think some people may want to give up on him and look to deal him. Last thing I would do is deal him right now. His value couldn't be any lower, but 
I still think there's a productive player there. I really do. It just may take a position change. I mean, you were almost like you were reading verbatim off my notes. Or are you in my head over here? Are you are you pulling a Jedi mind trick? Because I think hey. ex I think exactly the same thing, my man. And and we were talking about that. You were talking about that line to start the preseason. Uh, hey, like Anderson's the puck getter, right? Uh, Elias Anderson. Who does that remind you of a little bit? Turcotte, feisty guy, puck getter, good forechecker, good facilitator, yeah. and he plays center. What about the line of, of Turcotte, Velarde, and Kachev? I mean, allow Velarde to, to put the pucks in the net. Kachev is an assist machine. I mean, he's eating so many apples. Uh, yeah, I don't know what he, you know, he's, he's fit as a fiddle down there. I, I, I think that would be a possible good line there. And I don't know what you think about that. I like where your head's at there. And because I, listen, I, I, I'd be surprised if, if, um, because I don't know, has it made, been made official? Is Tynan on his way back down or have they not made that call yet? I don't know that I've seen that. Uh, I know that's the expectation with guys coming back, but um, I could be, that maybe it's not, but I would, I would imagine Tynan was going to, is going to get back with FERC. Um, and maybe Burke, that was always a, that was the line that they had. And mm. yeah, I think that would, that's an opportunity to get Turcotte going as well. Getting, getting another player like that on his line is with the, with the offensive threat that is Gabe Velarde. Um, I, I know this stuff is taking, taken as a negative. And I know the fact that uh, we've touched on it a billion times, but the fact that Turcotte still in the HL is taken as and seen as a negative, but it's not always the case. Um, and I think if the, if, if it, goes along okay and, and they perform and they can do what the organization is asking them to do because Velarde is going down with certain instructions what those are you know we don't know obviously but he's going down with whatever it is is gain your confidence get your legs back get learn a new position whatever those the, 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 those conversations were he's going down there and if he can do what they ask he'll be back up you know, if somebody, if, yeah, if somebody out there listening knows how to, you know, you know, conceal uh, and plant wires in the uh, the king's <laughs> office, we would love to hear those conversations. But I agree with you, man. We don't know what he's doing, uh, you know, or what he's commanded to over there. But hopefully, he takes it like a champ. Hopefully, he takes it like a pro and, and thinks of it as an opportunity. Leas Anderson did last year, and he hasn't been sent back down. There's definitely a possibility. And let's, I'm, I'm gonna take up my crystal ball here a little bit. What if he shows down there, shows scoring promise? They just demoted Brown to the third line in practice. Hasn't really been in a game yet, but maybe gets some chance at wing in, in the rain, shows that he can put the puck in the net, uh, you know, is, is feeling good, and maybe gets some shots at the, the right wing on, on the Kings, getting pulled back talking up. About being in, just, well, talking about being in each other's heads, I was just going to say, listen, you're, you're talking about a team that has, again, continued struggles to score, not to mention on the power play okay so he hasn't yet it hasn't necessarily clicked for him at the nhl level at least consistently down the middle he can do it though he's shown the ability to score at this level i would love to see him on the wing and i think he is as capable as anybody on the king's wing roster as a winger of being a scoring productive winger on the top six now, I understand if they're going to change his position, maybe you don't want to throw him into that fire right away, which is maybe part of the reason why he's going down. I get that. But yes, I would love to see him in Los Angeles playing on one of the top two lines as a winger. I, I, I think he's an extremely skilled player still, really talented player. Yeah, I think I think you're right there. And, and, and uh, you know, hopefully we, we obviously wish him nothing but the best. He's going to be one of the reasons that the Kings are prominent for years to come. Um, 
whether he's playing or he's part of a big piece to bring somebody else in. Hopefully he's hoisting that cup with us in the future. Uh, but we wish him nothing but the best. And, you know, he's been on our thoughts for many years, especially with the back injury and, and being that, mm-hmm. that high pick and seeing the skill that we all thought he would have. So uh, best of luck to Gabe. And hopefully we can see him on Sunday and Monday and in the rain and, and put some putts in the neck. Uh, and and I don't want to, I mean, not to, I don't want, I don't mean to interrupt, but that, that just kind of, that, that reminded me, just brought something into my head. You talked about the injury and you look at some of the big prospects the Kings have had over the last handful of years, the quote unquote, untouchables if you will like it was first Filardi, and he had multiple injuries and Turcotte he's dealt with multiple injuries and then Byfield they get and he busts his ankle in preseason now hopefully that's not he's not something that deals with lingering injuries like the other two have but a little bit of bad luck here too it's like we're watching a movie on half speed you're like oh I can see the picture but it doesn't seem like it's syncing up right like how it's supposed to be yeah so uh, I don't know if we're being honest like there's been a little bit of bad luck uh, uh, on top of all of it too for, for some of these guys. Well, let's get to some good luck, you know, some good news. The Durs brought up to the mm-hmm. Kings, uh, you know, after two and two, you know, putting two pucks in twine and eating some apples there and, and got gets the call up strand gets sent down. I think this is huge for him. Um, well-deserved. He's been playing fantastic this year. I know that, uh, you know, maybe not a lot of the Kings favorites and Mata hasn't been playing that great. And the power play, even though we've been winning games, hasn't been ideal. So what does Jersey in your mind bring to the Kings that they don't have? Uh, and and uh, will Strand, it will, it will be good for Strand to get some playing time down in the A. Yes. So quickly on Strand. Yes, it would be good for him to get some time. I actually had tweeted out, I think it was yesterday, um, uh, a chart from evolving hockey and it was Olimata and everything was in the negative um, at, and said, maybe it's time to give Austin strand a shift. Um, maybe it's time to get Sean Dersey a shift uh, is, is now maybe what it more accurately. So what he brings is, uh, and as you, I think, you know, this, I'm a pretty big Dersey fan myself and I, he should be on power play one. He is going to be somebody that can, uh, move pucks he can he's a really good skater he's going to be dynamic in the offensive zone I think he is somebody that can this is still a Kings team um, and I just did a piece about the back end kind of since Dowdy and Walker it's been about 10 games since the two of them together have been out uh, so just to get a look at how things have been going and I, and I think they're holding their own I really do um, but there's still not a lot of offense back there and Dersey can bring it I mean Clegg leads Kings defensemen in points not named Dowdy, that is. He's got five assists. He's just got here. <laughs> so yeah. I think Jersey can have a similar effect. Um, be interested to see, you know, who, uh, and again, I'm assuming that they're playing him, and I hope that they do, um, because I think he, he's he's going to bring an element that they need. They, their power play is struggling. Their offensive play is struggling kind of in general, but particularly from the back end. You know, you lost two offensive defensemen, and – the rest of these guys, I mean, for as well as Anderson and Bjornfoot are playing, Roy's another one, and Adler is playing well too. That's just their game is not to produce. You know, these guys aren't there. And as much as they, you know, I know Bjornfoot had the, the really nice game against Buffalo, and that's great, right? And he is jumping up in the play. Anderson's getting involved. So they are getting more involved, but these guys are still not producing defense. Not what that's not their game. So it's to ask them to all of a sudden you know, we need you to put pucks in nets and, and, and you know, be, become primary assists. It's just, it's not their game. So it is Jersey's though. 
And I think we're starting to see like it is with Clegg. These are two guys that I think are going to inject something and Clegg already has into the lineup that the Kings need. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think you look at Jersey's weak point would be, you know, his five on five defense historically. Um, he has improved and looking for him on the left side, you got Bjornfoot and Mikey Anderson and Edler who are all sound defensemen. So whoever they decide to pair with him, you know, it's, it's going to, it's going to be able to help him and allow to focus on scoring the puck. I wouldn't put him on PP one. I'd start him on uh, power play two. I think Clegg has done Fair. a fantastic job. Yeah. Clegg's done well, there and uh, go there. But I mean, you're looking at our stats here for, for all you stat heads uh, on the road. I mean, they have, they're two for 26. They're 29th in the league on power play. So uh, we had that, even though we had most of those wins on the road, the big road trip there, you know, two for 26 on the road and we're 19th overall in the power play. So definitely could use a boost. And I don't think there's anybody on the, any defenseman on the team that scored a goal other than Dowdy. And he hasn't been playing for quite a while. So definitely need to pick up the offense from the defensive uh, uh, position points. And I think Jersey can do with that. And I'd like to add, you know, and I, we, and we've done this before and I've done this before and I always say, I don't, I, don't, I hate to sound like I'm harping on the guy, but going back to Mata, you know, he's at five on five, he's rocking a uh, 43% Corsi four percentage uh, and a 37% expected goals. It's been a rough start to the season for Ole Mata. Uh, part of that could be his usage. I mean, he leads the Kings defenseman in percent of his shifts starts in the defensive zone 18 yeah. percent of his shifts start in the defensive zone i mean so i think injecting Dursey into the lineup because we've seen it with clegg he he starts the most in the offensive zone among any king's defenseman right now is is kale clegg so mcclellan recognizes where his strength is and i think you're going to see that with Dursey. and assuming they don't play together you know you're going to have a couple of guys that you can have that have that offensive mindset on a couple of different pairs when the kings so, are playing again, well you see waves right you see waves of constant attack and having spreading out yes. that offense would benefit them i think well what they wanted to do and we we've talked about this as well and the king has made it very clear that they wanted to get their defensemen more active in in the offense this year and and have them jumping into the rush and have them being in on the forecheck having get them down in the cycle and i give credit to guys like bjornfoot and anderson and they are getting more involved but again it's not the strength of their game where you lost Dowdy and Walker. Those are, you took those two guys out of the lineup that were supposed to be instrumental in that. And it, it sucked. It's bad luck for the Kings, but now you get Clegg in. He can do that. You get Dursey in. That's a strength of his. And I think we can slowly start to see that come back into the Kings, maybe a bit more frequently um, into the Kings repertoire. So I'm a big Jersey fan. I'm really excited for him and I'm really excited to see him. And hopefully he's somebody that gets a shot right away. Yeah. Uh, you know, speaking on the rain point of view, bring it back to strand hopefully he can get the rust off his skates and, and get some time and, and help the, with a little bit, you know, continue the veteran leadership down there. Cause you are losing dirty one of the elder statesmen and, and keep that group together and keep getting wins. Uh, speaking of ending wins though, the streak ends. Uh, for yeah. for the rain in a crazy game, the Roadrunners. I mean, that was one of the craziest games I've ever seen. Uh, <laughs> eight to four, we lose. Um, but going into the third, five four, it, look, it was, looked like a slobber knocker. And Ontario had fourteen shots in the second period. It looks like we were gonna, we had all the momentum, and and we were gonna take this one home. Yeah, yeah, you know, this watching this game, it it felt like it. Because we talked about how um, the rain, they had a lot of poor first periods possession-wise. Um, 
but yet were finding themselves not trailing or even in the lead in some of them. And it's as, it's as if they were, they were very opportunistic and they were putting pucks in nets. But it's like that at some point this is going to give. They can't have these bad starts and then you know continue to still win these games. I think it slowly caught up to them a little bit, uh, which was, again, it's probably bound to happen. Um, but they, you know, the way they came back and and they did make it five, I think it was Ferk that scored a late one to get them within a goal. Um, but they lived in the penalty box and, um, and it wasn't, it just wasn't, a, again, it wasn't a good possession game for them. So I think it was just a, a it, all, it was going to come to an end at some point and it was kind of a crazy game. Um, and that game got a little feisty as did the next one. So, um, you know, I, again, I think the possession numbers that had been ongoing for them from a team standpoint had, had struggled a bit. And, and despite them getting wins, I think at some point it was going to fall. They, they couldn't just keep burying pucks the way they were um, without, without one of these hiccups. Yeah. 11 penalties in that game for 33 minutes. Uh, I'm looking, I'm checking when they, you know, Roadrunner scored three in the third and you're looking at one, two, three, let's see, six, eight penalties in the third period. Yep. Not a recipe for success there. That's not how you draw it up. That's putting salt instead of sugar in, into some cookies there. That's just really not how you, you want to draw up any third period and to close out a game was with that many penalties. Well, and, and two, going back, uh, like for so Manny Belalta did not have his, his best game, but I don't know, watching that game, it's hard to put too much on him. All five goals that he gave up were off the rush, two breakaways. I mean, it was it was just a, a collapse of the neutral zone for for Ontario. They just it was just one of those nights, you know, one of those games. It was a game where they just didn't have it. Yeah, Simple between the that. blue, yeah, between the blue lines, it was pretty piss poor. Like we weren't seeing anybody standing anybody up. The passes weren't very good. It just, you know, it seems like both teams were pretty opportunistic in the first period, right? So. You know, you're looking at, at what, what is it, 13 shots for both teams and four goals. So pretty opportunistic goal scoring there by by everybody. But uh, the wheels kind of just fell off in the third period. And, and it, it was a it, you could see it coming throughout the game. Yeah, they even took a they took a lead in the, at the early part of the, the second period. And then all of a sudden it was they gave a boom, boom, back to back breakaways. Um, and it just kind of got away from them a little bit. Yeah, three goals in five minutes. Uh does not help the recipe for success. Again, bring it to the no. recipe here. Um, yep. You know, those big books that your grandma gave you it was not in there. I'll tell you that. So big adversity, you know, first adversity of the entire season, as far as from a losing standpoint, you know, they, they've bounced back in games and, and gotten wins. Uh, but, you know, you want to see how the team responds after, after a loss. Is their head going to be down? Still a lot of guys, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but they rebounded pretty good, I thought, in the in the next game. How did you see how they responded, and, and what did what did you like that they correct the corrected? I mean, they they were much better. I mean, they came out with a lot more jump in this one. They were not on their heels. They pushed the pace. Um, they were all over Tucson in the early part, and they they get the power play. Jersey scores on the power play to put them up one nothing. They end up taking a two nothing lead, and that was a way better start than we've seen from them um, really in the prior few games, frankly. Um, but getting that jump early and making the power play count, right? They got the early power play and you'd like to see you capitalize on that. And they did. So I thought that was big to, to get that, or not just play well early, but then also pr 
put the puck in the net and it was on a power play. So to get, to get two goals, um, take the two, nothing lead. And, you know, again, they're, they allowed a power play goal later in the period, but uh, overall that first period was much better than we've seen from them. Yeah. I, I thought there was a lot of positive this game, right? We saw, we talked about it a couple episodes ago about goal scorers pressing it and, and Samuel uh, Fagimo was, is one of those guys yeah. got it, got a hat trick. Um, you know, got off to Schneid. Now he's got six goals on the season. His season doesn't look as dire as it was before. You know, we don't want to see, obviously we could, we'll take as many hat tricks as he, wanna, he wants to give us, but we want to see more consistent scoring. Uh, Jersey with the, the, four, you know, the two by two, like we talked about earlier, um, having a solid game and Vladimir Kachev, man, the assist master, uh, just throwing sauces everywhere and, uh, got a three assist game. And those were your three stars. And, and rightfully so. And I, I, and it's not surprising that two of uh, Kachev's assist came on the power play, <laughs> you know, going back to the Kings with a struggling power play. He, he, he's a guy that, that has just been instrumental, especially since Tynan's been gone for Ontario. Um, he stepped in and, and he's been, he's been huge. Uh, he slows the game down. You know, that's the, he's playing the same type of style that he played in Los Angeles, which, you know, probably what you'd expect. He slows the game down. He's extremely patient with the puck, uh, great vision. Uh, and he set Jersey up a couple of times. So it, he's, he, he had another good game. Right. Another good game. I, again, I, I thought he had a poor first showing in his first game in the AHL ever since then. He's been really good. Um, so, again, he's just going to keep doing this and, and he'll be knocking at the door soon, too, for Los Angeles, the way he's going. Yeah, if the power play continues to struggle and he keeps putting down those assist numbers. McClellan's going to have to find a way to get him into the lineup just for the power play, uh, you know, benefact of, of, of his team and maybe playing with a person that is a, a puck hunter or a hard worker. Um, you know, might be beneficial to him, but you don't want to stick him too down the line because he's not a checker, right? So you got to find that, find the balance. Um, you know, I like that Athens is on the second line, a uh, scorer with Deneau and, and uh, Ayafalo. Could, could Chev play on that line and, and be, uh, you know, an assist first guy? Who's to say? But I think his, his vision on the power play is undeniable and it's such a great asset for a team to have. Yeah, no question. And, you know, I, I think that that the LA is is obviously I think missing a piece that type of piece on the power play. I mean, obviously they have Andre Kopitar, but he's he's pretty unique and he's got that patience, but he's also got such a lethal shot when he decides to use it that um, you know I, I think they're deciding to see kind of who's the quarterback there, who's that running through, uh, and making those type of plays. So, you know, we'll see, we'll see, but he's doing it in Ontario and it, we'll see, I assume Velarde is going to get a lot of opportunity on that first power play unit, um, or at least on one of the power play units mm -hmm. in Ontario. So, um, that should be fun to watch too. Yeah, definitely be interesting to see. And, and, you know, the, the cogs are always moving. You see the lines has started to shift early in the season. Now the roster moves are being made. Uh, and, and they're slowly tinkering, adding pieces here and there to try to get both uh, machines well-oiled and, and, and moving to the best of their uh, ability. Uh, and it showed with a win streak for the Kings. So, you know, I, I expect that to continue to happen until it's uh, firing on, on all cylinders on every part of the, on the game. And it's been a long break here for Ontario. You know, they did pick up that. They obviously, they, they bounced back against the Tucson loss. They won 6-3 the next time they played them. They've been off since. Uh, and they don't play again until Sunday, like you said, against uh, Stockton. So um, I'd like to see, I, I'm sure, 
Matty Valalta is itching to get back in because they did go with Sparks in the next game and they won six three. That um, so he's been on the he's been sitting for a while. So he'll, I'm sure he'll get one of these two games here uh, against the Heat. So I'm sure he's itching to uh, to kind of redeem himself after that game. Which again, I, I you know you give up five goals on was 11 shots or something. It was, it was not great from a number standpoint, but he was hung out to dry. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him back between the pipes too. Yeah. It's, it's going to be good to see how he reacts to his first adversity of a season. Right. So, you know, if he can come back and, and put up a good game and have a good attitude and, and stop some pucks and really give the team the best chance to win. It's exactly what you want to see from a guy trying to make that jump to the next level as a goaltender. Yep. So, I think that's going to be it for the rain news. And like we talked about last week, we're going into the world junior prospect corner, right? So this is going to be our segment every episode uh, for you listeners out there. We're going to talk about one of the possible prospects that we have that could appear uh, or is projected to appear in the world junior championship. Uh, we're going to start it off this week in Marasha with Karyo Kirasanov. Uh, you know, the, he was drafted in the third round this year in this draft. Uh, defenseman uh, out of SKA Petersburg. So definitely is uh, somebody to watch out for because, you know, Yanetti said that he's probably the most pro ready out of this year's crop. Uh, and, you know, the, the only thing is going to be is getting them out of Russia, which, you know, can be a, a struggle at sometimes with, with contracts and everything like that. So uh, what, what is something that you mo like most about, about his game there? Well, I, I, I like the way, so Unetti's saying he's pro-ready, and I think the reason for that is how well he is in terms of, so when he has the puck on his stick, whether he's in the defensive zone or the offensive, he is more of a of a defensive defenseman. And I, and I know a lot of people don't love comparables, but just for Rain fans, I'll, I'll make a kind of a lazy comparison. He's a left-shot D-man who's known as a smart defenseman who moves pucks and there's questions about how offensive his game will be and will his skating translate sounds a lot like Jacob Overari um, with, with his kind of hockey IQ, if you will, and how he's able to read plays, he's patient on the puck and he, he's able to make a first pass and create that in transition. And I think that's what, what this one can bring. The Russian can bring here. Kirsanov is He's, he's calm. He's, I think the part of the reason is he's been playing at such a high level as since he's been at what, 15, 16 years old, I think too. So he's playing against pros for so long that I think it's helped his game develop. And he's very calm. Like I said, he's calm on the puck and he can make that first pass in transition and to help get up and out and in transition into the offense to where he may not be the one that's producing. So his offensive numbers may not look like they're, they're going to be uh, wowing anybody, but it's his play on the back end that's leading that rush or, or beginning that rush. So in getting pucks into the offensive zone. So he's just doing it in a little bit of a, a, a different way, but I kind of liken him again, perhaps a little bit lazy, but trying to stick with a rain, you know, and what, who, who we know and who, who our fans will know is kind of that Jacob Movarari mold where, you know, again, not one that is probably going to be expected to light the lamp, but he's going to be opportunistic in the offensive zone uh, and he's good defensively. Yeah. I mean, to quote one of our guests recently and, and Scott Wheeler, um, you know, he thought he was one of the lone bright spots in last year's world junior championships uh, for the blue line for, for the Russians. Uh, he says that he transport the puck very uh, really efficiently using his feet to lead zone exits 
and walk through the offensive zone blue line. His lateral agility is particularly impressive, weaving past pressure with ease through little uh, mid-stride sidesteps and fakes, despite his, his big frame. He was nearly eligible for last year's draft, and his production doesn't really pop, but he's more of an A to B type guy who plays a low fuss defensive game. And so, you know, you're looking at a guy that you stick back there, you don't really notice on 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 the on the telecast because he's never in a bad situation. He's making the right play. He's making the first quick pass. He uses his feet when he needs to. He's not trying to do too much, and it shows. I mean, he, like you said, he has 60 games. He'll be playing his 60th game here soon in, in the pro level of the KHL, um, and he just got drafted last year. So that's definitely something to look out for, and he's going to bring probably LD1, um, if, def, if definitely maybe LD2, uh, position for for the Russians there, and they're gonna get, they're gonna get a good guy that can stop a lot of the team's first lines. Yeah, and that's that's what he can do at the World Juniors, and and I think you know because his offensive game may end up being limited. You know, he's probably that second pair. He probably, it's probably what he would top out at is maybe a second pair, more likely a third pair defenseman. Um, but that's again when you are that reliable and that just kind of steady, like you know Matt Roy is not going to put up these gaudy offensive numbers, but he's such a solid defenseman, right? And maybe you're starting to, to see Toby Bjornfoot turn into this type of guy too. Um, Mikey Anderson is, is put, you look at his expected goal numbers. He's, he's among, he's one of the better defensemen in the league uh, at, at points this season. So you don't necessarily have to be this offensive juggernaut of a point producer to be an effective defenseman and affect the offense in a positive manner. Um, you mentioned Scott Will of the, uh, of the athletic Corey Pronman also of the athletic. Um, and he, he mentions that he's a steady all around defenser defenseman. He's not necessarily this high skill type, this dynamic skater, um, but he's somebody that contribute in really all three zones. Um, and, you know, I think it can be a little, you know, everybody likes the sexy defenseman, right? The, the, the flashy, the Brant Clark is a guy that I know is going to get a lot of buzz rightfully. So it's don't get me wrong. But a guy like this is somebody that's going to be very quietly useful. And I think the Kings, again, when you look at their NHL roster, I just named there's Roy, there's Bjornfoot, and there's Anderson, guys that are kind of quietly useful under the radar, not flashy guys, but they do a job. Um, and those guys are important in the NHL. Um, and if this guy can turn into something along those lines where he's reliable in his own end, and can influence the offense in terms of a tr in transition, even if it's not on the score sheet, that's important. Yeah, that's definitely important. And, you know, you're looking at Chris Peters had him ranked uh, right around 36 and the Kings got him at 84. So I think a lot of people had him ranked pretty high and maybe that speaks to his quiet game where maybe why he fell or it could be the Russian factor, but mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's speaking from the Kings perspective, you know, we might not see him for a while, but he's going to be a, a prominent reason why, why Russia does well in this tournament if they go far, because you need those guys to to stop the juggernauts that are that are Canada and the offensive players that that come through the, the World Juniors. Yeah, this is going to be a really fun test to watch. And I guess if, if especially if you're a Kings fan um, to to watch this tournament and to see how a kid like that does, because like you just said, he's going to be matched up against the top, if not the top line, the top two lines on any team. So how does he stack up against some of the talent that he's going to have to see uh, at this tournament? Um, 
that's going to be a really fun because again i think a lot of times you're like you're going to watch quentin byfield or brand clark you say oh my god i want to see the points he's going to put up i want to see him on the power play for 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 kirasanov i think it's a little bit different is you want to see how he does on his in his own zone you know, with guys, you know, as he's shifting and transitioning to defense with guys coming at him at full speed, how he handles that, what his, what's his gap control like, things like that. You're almost looking at kind of the, a, a, a boring, uh, it's, a, it's a boring way to watch a game, if you will, sometimes when you're looking at a player that you're probably usually hoping for all this excitement and goals, you want to see how he handles the defensive side of things. And if he gets some PP time or if he gets some time, you know, offensively, that's, that's great. But you want to see how he does uh, against some of the top players uh, in the tournament. Yeah, had, had seven games last year, um, put up two points, a goal and assist. Uh, Scott Wheeler and his projections for the, uh, for the tournament has him on the second line with Daniel Cheka from Vegas. So, you know, right around where we thought. And I think he's, it's going to be interesting to see uh, his development there because not a lot of uh, us, me included, get to watch a lot of Russian hockey. I mean, there's only so many hours in the day and I can't, I, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not paid to be a scout. So it's just, it's, there's not something there. And, and, you know, the commentary is a little rough because my, my Russian isn't the best, you know, I know how to say hello and goodbye and your eyes look pretty. And, and that's, not, that's not really useful when watching hockey. So, um, you know, it's just it's it's going to be nice to see him uh, and, and get to see some of those prospects. And that's why we all love the World Juniors. Yes. And, and just touching on his offense. And I, 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 I just that shouldn't be something that's necessarily expected if it comes great. But if it doesn't just know that there's the, it's the rest of his game, that if he can have that continue to, to for that to be a strength. You know, the offense, I guess it can come, but it just doesn't it doesn't necessarily have to. And he can still be an NHL legitimate NHL prospect and NHL defenseman, um, even without that. And you look, you know, in his career, his point production hasn't necessarily been something that's going to be even remotely noticeable. But again, you know, people said the same thing about Mo Verari and he goes and he's had he's done fine in the AHL. So you never know. I mean, if he he's such a good player and a very well-rounded player already at this age um if he does come over and it's 20 21 years old by the time he gets here who knows maybe there's a little bit more offense than than maybe originally thought um but if the rest of his game is that well-rounded then he's at least somebody that you can trust and trust is the key factor you know and and the goal isn't to score goals it's to score more goals than the other team and so keep him out of keep him out of the net is just as important and I think trust is the biggest factor. You look at his ice time for the Russian leagues, multiple games over 22 minutes, has tons of games over 20 minutes at 18 years old. Like that's unheard of, especially in a pro league. SKA is in the running for the cup every single year over in Russia. And so they're not trying to give guys ice time for development. They're trying to win. And for him to be trusted for 20 plus minutes, almost every single night on that club, who's trying to win games is a big testament to his game. Yeah. And it's such a young, at such a young age too. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's, that's, you said it earlier with United saying he's, he's among the most pro ready in the system that they have. And, and I, it, it, you know, NHL ready in the system that they have, and he's, he shows why, and, and you just rattle it off. Why if you're playing 22, 20 minutes a night uh, in the, in the KHL as a teenager, you're doing something right. Yeah, the trust is going to be a big factor. He's definitely going to be trusted in World Juniors, and and hopefully he's uh, trusted in the in the black and white here for us here in LA. Man, Joe, another killer episode, man. I, I we could talk all World World Juniors, but we don't. We got to pace ourselves on these episodes. 
and talk about all the prospects one at a time, one at a time you know keep keep the people hungry out there we don't want to give them all and <laughs> get them get them with a stomach ache you know putting up bringing out those thanksgiving uh pregnancy pants just yet on uh, all of our prospect knowledge so uh well speaking of the holiday man uh we're gonna try to get an episode out for you guys right around tuesday or wednesday before all the turkey eating and, and maybe you guys can listen to this before watching some football next week uh another prospect we'll be talking about the the games against the heat hopefully the rain are still in first place after this weekend and any moves that are made by the brass upstairs man joe anything else before we sign off just gonna say it's it's a it's a gonna be a fun couple of games to watch in Ontario. It's some it's a different lineup, right? Velarde's in, Jersey's out. How do things shake out? They're playing one of the top teams. It's a fun couple of games coming up. Exactly, exactly. So follow us all on uh, Twitter, you know, hockey underscore royalty or royalty underscore pod to get all the knowledge of where it's going. If you're more of a YouTuber, we're on there. You can see our pretty mugs. Uh, you know, Joe waxes his head every episode, <laughs> so don't miss out on that and 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 don't and don't forget to like and subscribe there joe where can they find you on twitter for all your articles at jw paterino and i'm at rando commando 24 and if you're an old-fashioned reader just want to go on hockeyroyalty.com to check out some articles uh we're loading some up every day so thank you guys well, we couldn't be doing this without you and your continued support and hopefully we can put out some more episodes here for you soon and as always go kings and go rain